ready? Whoever you are. Alright, hello everyone. Um, welcome to another edition of Culture Class Podcast, uh, the podcast where we got to, uh, we get to talk to interesting people from different backgrounds. Uh, my name is Nosa Yari, and today I'm recording from Silver Spring, Maryland, and we're in a what children's library. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, um, I was trying to book a room downstairs actually in the adult library, but they didn't have any, so I just booked the room. I didn't know they'll have chairs that were this little, so unfortunately we don't have a video. But if you, if you guys could see where I'm sitting on right now, it's like a chair meant for like a five year old or something. <laughs> but yeah, things we do for the podcast, right? Uh, but yeah, today we have a, another guest, Kimora. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. How's your week been so far, Kimura? Um, so far, it's been all right, actually. But you get to do this week anything interesting or yeah, this weekend? Yeah, just work. <laughs> or you work just uh... work and go to school, prepare for another semester in law school. Oh, you're in law school? Mm-hmm. And you also work? Yes. Oh, wow, that must be... What school do you go to? Howard. Oh, okay. Is that far from here? No. So... The law school campus is separate from the main campus. The oh, main okay. campus is on Georgia Avenue. Exactly. Law school campus is on Connecticut Avenue, across the street from UDC. I thought UDC was in Van Ness somewhere. They have a couple of campuses. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I've just been in DC for like, what, two years now? A year and a half? So <laughs> I might not be as versed uh, about the area as you are. How long have you lived in the DMB area? Two and a half years. Okay, so a little more than me, I guess. So, yeah, you you might not need Google Maps that often. (laughs) Not really. Well, it depends on where I'm going. And Kimura has a very interesting background. Wait, let me first things first. um, I want to get your last name, uh, but I don't want to butcher your last name. So, can you just help me pronounce it, and maybe I can learn. Okay. So my full name is Catalea Green Palomalu. Catalea. Mm-hmm. Kimora is my middle name. Oh, Kim- so you have four names. Mm-hmm. Catalea, Kimora. Green, Palomalu. Green, Palomalu. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And you're from Hawaii. Yes, I am from Hawaii originally. And is, is that why you have four names? Because that's unusual, right, for most Americans. <laughs> Probably Africans have um, like 26 so, names. So when my mom decided to name us, she wanted her name as well as my dad's name in our naming because she never took my dad's name on completely. She hyphenated. She wanted her kids to have both last names. Nice. So your your mom's last name is Green? Mm-hmm. And your dad's last name is Polo Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Then Kimora and Kathleen are just your names. Yeah. <laughs> and that's right for all your siblings, right? How many um, siblings do you have? Um, altogether... If you include the step-siblings, there's 16 of us. Oh, wow. If you don't include them, then it's 12 of us. Are both your parents from Hawaii? Or? No. So my dad is Samoan Hawaiian. My mom is Colombian and Dominican. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is a large family common uh, in Hawaii? Uh, is it common to grow up with uh, a lot of brothers and sisters, like have family of so, like nine, ten people? The old school way in Hawaii, guys had multiple wives who mm. had multiple kids. So that was the old school way. Okay. Um, nowadays, no, you might see a family with maybe four kids at most. So, um, but I know in my mom's culture, you know, it's customary to have big families. My great grandmother had 20 kids. Wow. She's from the Dominican Republic. And then my grandmother had 15, so it's customary. <laughs> it's interesting you say that, right? Because um, I'm from Nigeria and it's similar, like in the old days, and maybe even now, but not really. In the old days, uh, you grew up in, in very large families. Mm-hmm. So my father is like one of. <laughs> one of uh, what 20 kids or something so, yeah that's uh really common but i i didn't really know um it was common uh in hawaii maybe not now but before to have 
more than one wife. I didn't know that was a thing mm -hmm. in any part of the U.S. and Hawaii is part of the U.S. Um, well, see, here's the thing. You have to remember, Hawaii was its own kingdom back yes. in the day. Uh, we did not become a part of the United States until, well, we officially became a state in 1959. So, you know, before that, we were a territory. And then before that, we had our own kingdom, which is why you do see palaces in Hawaii. Which is why we still have a royal family. So does Hawaii operate under its own set of laws in a way, or uh, is still governed by the laws of the U.S.? So they're still governed by the laws of the U.S. Okay. Um, however... We do have rules and regulations that the ancient Hawaiians put on Hawaii. Like, um, I don't know, for those who've ever been to Hawaii, we do have black sand beaches. You're not supposed to take any other sand. Wait, actual black sand beaches? Mm -hmm. How big are, are these beaches? I just saw like patches of sand or like a whole beach no, it's strip. No, beach. Wow. It's nothing but black sand and it's really... The ash from the volcano mixed in with the sand, oh. and that's what makes the sand black. And you're not supposed to take any of it, but we do have people who try to take some home. Um, the ancient Hawaiians put curses on it, so if that, if the black sand leaves Hawaii, then you know you will suffer bad luck until you return. I might need to smuggle some sand into my ex's purse. So. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Oh, that's interesting. It's interesting. It's just interesting to know that there is a part of the U.S. that's so rich in culture. And, you know, almost everywhere else has some influence from, um, I don't know, maybe mostly Europe uh, because of colonization or other things. But Hawaii has really done a good job of preserving this culture. I mean, you, you watch people like Dwayne Johnson and even till now. Uh, you know, there are aspects of uh, his movies or just his life in general. He's proud of that uh, Samoan heritage mm -hmm. and thing. And is it growing up in Hawaii, are kids' thoughts about their culture, is it a big thing? Like you have your grandmother telling you what used to happen maybe a hundred years ago and you're taught the dances and maybe the rituals and maybe the language. Is that a very big thing? Um, it's a big thing amongst my generation, because I'm like, okay, I'm not going to tell you guys my age, but I'm like right before the, the millennials. And the millennials right now, they they really don't care about the old tradition. Mm. So, sure, it's a little bit fading away, but not too much. So. Well, and I guess uh, our listeners, some people who have been listening now have been trying to probably place your accent because it's like um she's from hawaii but it seems like she has like a british accent and obviously there's a story there i mean you went to school in britain yes i went to school in uk um in london near westminster so i went to all girls school with my sisters um and spent about seven years there so i still have the accent but i do know how to hide it nowadays Oh, no, why? I mean, I, here it's a uh, currency here in the U.S. to have a British accent, thanks to what, David Beckham and maybe Jude Law? Yeah. <laughs> a couple of people. Well, I mean, okay, so whenever people hear me speak, you know, it's, I always get the stares, especially when I'm on the phone and it's like everyone is trying to listen into your conversation. I understand, you know, they are attracted to the accent or whatever, but, you know, it, um, it kind of gets annoying after a while, so I've taught myself how to hide it. <laughs> I feel it. So, if you hide the accent, what accent do you switch over to? Well, just the regular American one, I guess. Well, what, like Midwestern, uh, Southern, say something in American accent? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, but is it a common thing for people to leave the island to school, not just outside the island, but outside the country? Or that's just something maybe your parents were interested in so, giving your kids? Um, certain families did that type of thing. Um, my family, because we are related to royals, we always schooled overseas. Wow. But we were able to stay 
near our parents during, you know, the elementary school season. And then once we go to secondary school, that's when we are shipped away. Secondary school is British for high school, uh, for those listening from the U.S. Uh, so twins, all 12 or 16 siblings went to school outside the country? Well, all 12 of us did. The other four, you know, they're from the newer relationships that both parents have now. So, you know, they were able to school here in America. And did everyone go to London or a couple of other countries also? No, so we all went to London. Okay. Um, the boys went to the British military school. Oh, wow. And then the girls went to the all-girls boarding school. Oh, wow. But luckily, we were across the street from each other. So if we ever needed to see one another, we could just, you know, go across the street. And it must be a good thing going to boarding school with your siblings at once, right? I went to boarding school back home in Nigeria, and I went with a brother. So whenever I got into trouble, I knew there was, like, someone to... Uh, you know, go to maybe if someone is like looking for me or stuff. So, I mean, if you have like three, four, five siblings in the same school, then yeah, probably you guys are not to be messed with. I'm sure. Pretty much. <laughs> nice. But um, it's just that senior year when you're left by yourself. <laughs> oh, you were the last to graduate. Mm-hmm. I'm the last daughter, so yeah, I was the last to graduate for the girls. What did you enjoy about boarding school? Do you have any? cool memories uh, school in England? Okay, so my favorite memories were holidays. Um, whenever we had our spring holiday or our winter holiday, instead of going home, my sisters and I we would always um, go venture Europe. And I would never forget this one year, I was dating this guy from the military school across the street. and. He asked me to go with him to Monaco, so I knew that Monaco had some nice beaches. So I kind of used my dad's credit card, and kinda, it was a slip. (laughs) Yeah, I kinda used his credit card, and I bought twenty-three bathing suits from Neiman Marcus. Twenty-three. Yes, twenty-three. So um, when he ended up getting his bill, he actually flew to. (laughs) <laughs> and he snapped my credit cards in half. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How do you know who it was? Like, you had a bunch of siblings. Or people, like, so, snitched. So he knows that my older sisters, he knows that they would use their cards for more, you know, emergency situations. Mm. And um, since I was the baby, you know, I always got my way. Yeah, at that time he was a little upset. <laughs> so. Wow, that sounds like fun. Do you you guys ever joke about it now? Oh yeah, we do all the time. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, what what other countries have you visited? I'm sure you've gone to a bunch of places in Europe, but maybe the most memorable countries. So you've been to. I've been to France and Spain. I've been to Italy. I've been to Egypt. Nice. Um, South Africa. Ghana, Sierra Leone. You've been to Ghana? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why, what year did you go to Ghana? Uh, this was in 2003. Gotcha. Yeah. I actually went to Ghana for the first time. And being Nigerian is like awkward because everyone I grew up with literally have been to Ghana multiple times. But I went <laughs> for the first time uh, last summer. And the things I could enjoy, just the food was amazing. Was, the food, the hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. So the hospitality was was great. Mm. All that good stuff. So what was the most memorable out of all those trips? I mean, besides the Monaco trip because of what happened, um, (laughs) what was the most pleasant Um, country? Let's see. The most pleasant country I would have to say would have been Italy. Mm. The main reason why is because the Italian people, believe it or not, they actually like people of color depending on what part of Italy you go to. Really? Yes, they do. That's the first time I'm hearing that one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Italian women, they love the men men of color. The Italian men love the women of color. So, you know, we were kind of treated like queens over there. Interesting. But but you hear about all the stories um, of African players playing in the Serie A. 
uh, which is the Italian soccer league mm -hmm. of you know a whole bunch of uh, things happening to people of color. And what city in particular did you go to, and what time of year? Um, so we went to um, we went to a bunch of cities, but it was mostly during the springtime when we decided to travel. So springtime isn't really like a vacation period, not like the summer. I mean, you know, it was um, more or less a holiday. Well, my my boarding school, even though it was year round, if you did good for three months out of the year, then you were able to get a three month break. Wow! But in doing that, you had to get like basically straight A's. Got so <laughs> they knew that not a lot of people. Do <laughs> oh, well, you guys did, obviously. Well, yeah, what motivated us was the whole trip. <laughs> so, That's a good deal. That's so, yeah, we would always uh, do the study groups and make sure each other does their homework. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about British uh, education, right? Or British uh, curriculum, uh, which is kind of like the curriculum that influenced. Uh, the Nigerian education system. What I've noticed that in Britain, there are more, like you dive into your subject area sooner than later, like in high school and even undergrad, you're doing all this stuff. When the US is kind of, undergrad is kind of like coasting through, and if you decide to get a master's, that's when you get to know, uh, maybe start specializing or, you know, really diving deep. Undergrad here to me, is like 13th grade almost. <laughs> So, I mean, not to insult the American, you know, school system, but yeah. let's be honest here. Undergrad, you know, you have to take your prerequisites. And a lot of them, they it seems like they're just review from 12th grade. So, you know. And you still have a bunch of people that flunk out of undergrad. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe because the U.S. is more, has a more action-oriented economy, so it's not really about research and culture and education. It's more about, you know, small business and capitalism or something. Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, maybe, but, I mean, this president now, I, I don't <laughs> <So>. <laughs> What's up with this president now? <laughs> he had his own university, so... Was that a thing? That wasn't really a thing, right? Trump it University. Was, I mean, it wasn't like a point. physical university. It was like a. It was a more like a online school, yeah. but you know, he lost his accreditation. I heard it was like a, what you call these things, like career institute. You know, like all this Grand Cordon, um, all these online like motivational speakers who have like these courses I can take on like leadership and so, yeah, so something like that. Yeah. So they just named it Trump University. Well, you got sued for because apparently a couple of people parted with what twenty, twenty five, thirty thousand mm -hmm. dollars for for nothing. For nothing, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they probably got jobs in the administration. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. That's crazy. But what made you up for law? Um, what, what immediately after your secondary school in Britain? And I'm saying Britain, like Britain, Britain. You know, <laughs> immediately after your secondary school in Britain, did did you stay there, stay on for your undergrad also? Uh, um, yes, I did. I went to Oxford, where I received my associates in political science with a minor in public relations. Nice. And did you come over immediately to go to law school or you like worked for a little bit? No, I worked for a little bit and then my boyfriend that I had at the time, he wanted to move back home because he was supposed to be taking over his family's business. Back home to the US or yes, elsewhere? Okay. The US. Um, so he was always back and forth, even with him being in military school over in Britain, he was always back and forth. In fact he lost his dad on nine eleven. Oh, he wow. was in New York at that time and oh, wow. I'll never forget it. Um I was on the phone with him up until the building fell and then Oh his dad was in the building. Yeah, his dad was in the building. Uh luckily for him, his dad sent him downstairs because his dad forgot something in the car. Oh he too was in the building. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. But his dad sent him downstairs and um because he forgot something in the car, I believe it was his briefcase or something. So he said as soon as he got into the parking garage, that's when the plane hit the building. 
is that 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 day my uh, fiance he died a month ago due to cancer from breathing the air. This is the same person we're, we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so even though he wasn't in the building, um, he still had complications from the dust and the mm-hmm. particles. Apparently, the air became toxic once the building fell. And um, a lot of people, even people today who are survivors, a lot of them are having some sort of health issue from that. I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you. I'm sorry to hear that. Wow, it, it just goes to show how that one singular event, you know, affected. You know, you, you hear all the stories and just these stories about how the ripple effect of that singular effect, event affected like thousands of people. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like unheard of. And every time you know, I go through the airports, and yeah, obviously a couple of people fuss over TSA and you know, all that stuff, but. Those things, you know, are really necessary if the citizens are going to be kept safe. Yeah, you know, in that way. Definitely. And uh, I really apologize for your for your loss. Yeah, thank you. So I you, have learned to move on. So you came back to US, and was law um, kind of like the thing you always wanted to do, or no? Actually, <laughs> um, ever since I was little. I always told myself that I was going to be a mermaid because... Really? Yeah, because I was a good swimmer and I loved the water. So my Does that have said, anything to do with growing up in Hawaii? Probably. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so my mom said, well, why don't you study to be a marine biologist? Closest so thing. That, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to study to be a marine biologist ever since I was a little girl, maybe seven or eight. I always said, ooh, I'll be a marine biologist when I grow up. And people are looking like, how does she know what a marine biologist does? <laughs> it wasn't until I took my first year of marine biology classes. Oh, so you actually enrolled? For yeah, gotcha. I did. Um, is when I found out that marine biologists, they mostly live off a of grant. So what? They mostly live off a of grant money. Oh, okay, so for research. They, yeah, yeah, so if you don't get your grant approved, no money. That's true. <laughs> that, that's why a whole bunch of them are in Alaska and all these places, like, yeah. doing research and stuff. So, like, there's no company that just hires marine biologists for something. SeaWorld. <laughs> <laughs> SeaWorld. That's funny. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess that, I guess that makes sense. So, but wait, you were thinking that far ahead or you didn't just like your experience? You're thinking that far ahead of, you know, um, security in uh, the marine biology career, or you didn't yeah, just like your experience with school always, and you're like, ah. I was always thinking, you know, far ahead, mm-hmm. um, planning for my future. I've never been the type to just live for today. Mm-hmm. I always live for what's going to happen next week. Wow. <laughs> so That's impressive. Where'd you get that from? From your parents? Uh, have you always been like that? Um, no. <laughs> okay, okay. But um, my father, he kind of instilled that in all of us growing up. So. Hey, your father sounds like, like an amazing person. I mean, there were 12 of you and he still, you know, took care of all of you and make sure everyone was educated and cared enough to fly to the UK to give someone a whooping when she used his credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that is that a thing actually in British uh, boarding schools like spanking, whooping, that kind of thing? It used to be. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if it is nowadays, but when I was there, it was. Um, you know, the teachers were allowed to paddle you. Um, That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if you did, if you were acting up or you were doing something wrong, that yeah. you knew you weren't supposed to be doing. Yeah. I mean, same here, right? I mean, I also went to a military school, but that was back home in Nigeria. My dad was in the Nigerian Air Force. Mm -hmm. So I went to an Air Force uh, secondary school Mm -hmm. and you had to deal with the teachers and you had to deal with the soldiers and you had to deal with the seniors because seniority was also a thing. 
Mm -hmm. uh, going to secondary school. So if you're in your first year, those in your second year had authority over you. Yeah. The teachers had authority over you. The soldiers had authority over you. I believe it. Yeah, so it was a whole bunch of things happening at once. And while I was growing up, you know, you want to complain. There were cases of people running away from school, going home, and their parents dragging them back mm -hmm. and telling the principal that he just dealt with him at, at home. Like, mm -hmm. And the principal should deal with him again <laughs> in school. Yeah. Well, see, okay, so it's funny you mentioned that. Back home in Hawaii, they do believe that a village raised a kid or, you know, children should be raised by an entire village. Mm -hmm. Because back home, if your neighbor saw you doing something wrong, your parents more than likely gave them permission to discipline you. Exactly. And then they will take you home to your parents, and then you get disciplined even more. Exactly. And you better hope that, you know, your father isn't there, because your mom is already going to discipline you. Yeah. And then as soon as dad comes home... Round two. Hopefully, <laughs> it is round two, but hopefully he will be tired, too tired to do round two. Mm. So... I mean, it's interesting, and it's kind of, like, different now because I'm involved with my high school alumni association, and we go back to school once in a while, uh, check up on the kids, tell them our experience, blah, blah, blah. And um, I was talking to the commandant, which is, like, the principal, mm -hmm. uh, a military guy, and he was like, you know, parents always complain. Uh, people have sued the school multiple times for them touching their kids. I'm like, dude, maybe I was born in the wrong generation. Right. <laughs> but, but to be honest, like those things actually built up the discipline in a way. And like you said, uh, of course, in Africa, it's the same way. A village, uh, it takes a village to raise a child also. And you'll be in these places and you'll be watching out for neighbors and watching out for teachers or watching out for people you went to school with and, just be looking for ways to disguise and make sure that you go unseen because if one person saw you then the whole community would know and you get right. the support by everyone. So, that yeah. is true. Um, I'll never forget this one time. My brothers, they think they were just being boys and they were playing some sort of ball. I believe it was either football or something. Um, and they destroyed this latest flower card. Well, the teacher from our elementary school lived right across the street from where we lived and she saw the whole thing and she lined up all six of my brothers wow <laughs> and she disciplined all six of them and then she took them to my mother and my mother disciplined them and then our father disciplined them <laughs> when he got home so and you know at the time my great-grandmother she was visiting on from my mom's side she was visiting us and um my sisters and I, we were in the corner laughing at the boys, and I'll never forget, my great-grandmother backhanded me because I was the closest <laughs> one, and she said, I don't know why y'all are laughing, you could get it too. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. It was like, okay. <laughs> so did everyone, like, live together, like, grandmother, all siblings, obviously cousins, it was like one big, large family in the same location, in the same house? Um, not in the same house, no. Okay. Um... We all had different homes, but um, as far as living in the same neighborhood, it is customary. Gotcha. And how many people are in Hawaii? Um, again, I, I'm trying to get a sense of how large. I know I should have done a little more research. <laughs> uh, but what, do we have like, what, a million, two million people, or um, just a couple of hundred thousands? It's probably it's in the millions. Yeah, it's in the millions. I mean, Hawaii is made up of nine main islands, and only eight of them are inhabitable. So the ninth one, you have to get special permission to go on. Is that because of the volcanic activity? No, that's because of the people who own it. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. So what's the island that you have to get special permission to go to? It's called Niao. Niao? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's the the indigenous of Niao? Um, there are people living there, but those are the indigenous of Niao, right? Um, it's, it's just one family, family that's living there. Oh, just one family. Mm -hmm. They own all the land. Yeah, they oh. own it. Nice. nice. And I you have to get their permission to actually get on there. I think I need to speak to their lawyers. <laughs> 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 How did they achieve that one? That would be interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you've been to all these uh, interesting countries. Um, you have interacted with a whole bunch of cultures. Mm -hmm. 
all that good stuff. But there is something I want to talk to you about, and we were talking about this briefly just before the episode started. Mm-hmm. Feel free to cut off this conversation anytime you want. <laughs> well, like I said, I'm an open book, so... Trying to be as respectful as possible. Mm-hmm. And I understand that this might stir up maybe some not-so-pleasant memories or things like that. For those of you who are listening, he is referring to the way I was born. I was born a hermaphrodite, meaning that I was born with both parts down there. Um... To be a hermaphrodite in Hawaii is uh, it's kind of like, a, I guess you could say, an honor. Because in the Polynesian tradition, Hawaii has different gods and goddesses. And the king of the gods, his name is Pele. He lives in the volcanoes. And so whenever a hermaphrodite or transgender person is born in a family, that family is always considered blessed. The reason why is because hermaphrodites are supposed to be his earthbound children. And so if there's a family who has a hermaphrodite born into it, then that family is always going to be blessed for taking care of his children. Oh, okay. So... You didn't face any kind of like discrimination growing up on the island because uh, it was seen basically as a source of blessing for the family, right. like a badge of honor. Right. But was there like a conversation? Because you being a kid, and I don't know how much of a Hawaiian culture you are aware of as a kid, but maybe when you're about maybe six, seven, can you remember that first conversation with your parents and them telling you that, oh, no, it's okay, this is fine, this is the reason that. Okay, so my family have always been open and um, they always explained to my brothers and sisters and I, you know, how I was born because they knew that my sisters might have questions, they knew I would have questions when I get older and things like that. So, you know, they always set us down and they explained to us the older Hawaiian ways, and um, that's how I found out that, you know, hermaphrodites in Hawaii are coveted people. Um, I'll never forget, I I always had this burning question um, for my mom, and that was, can I have kids? And she's like, we will see once you go through puberty. How, how young were you so, when you were asking those questions? This was pre-puberty. Yes, this is before puberty. Because my mom, she always tried to prepare us girls for what was to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, our monthly visitor. Um, I'll never forget when one of my older sisters first started bleeding. <laughs> she woke up and started running around the house and said, I'm a witch, I'm a witch, I'm a die. <laughs> and it's because, That must have been your eldest sister. Yeah. And that was because... Uh, you know, even though our mother told us about it, you know, one of my sisters, she just, whenever you talk to her, it's in one area and out the other. Mm. So. Wow. But so it was okay on the island, which is fantastic because, you know, at the early stages uh, as a child, um, when you're going through something like that, it's good that your community doesn't ostracize you. But leaving the country and traveling, um, didn't you, weren't your parents worried that maybe if you go to a different culture or a different country, they might not necessarily be as understand yeah. uh, as much as Hawaiian um, culture does? So they were more so concerned when we told them that we were going to go to Africa because they know that a lot of African cultures, you know, they, and this is no offense to you, but. A lot of African cultures are more, um, I guess, how do you, uh, close-minded? I'll just say different beliefs. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so they know that a lot of cultures in Africa, if they would have found out about me, they probably would have had me killed or murdered or something. That was their main worry. Did you have any kind of funny experience, uh, maybe in Africa or any other well, in boarding school particularly, maybe uh, classmates or maybe on any of your trips? 
did you go through any kind of experience that was traumatic because of the um, situation? So growing up, no. Um, the most traumatic experience uh, was when I came here to the United States. Well, to the mainland. Because people here in the DMV area, you know, they, for the most part, if I do decide to tell people about me, they either want me as some sort of sexual object or they ridicule and ostracize me. So, because they would get me confused with being a transgender person. Mm. And a transgender person, you know, is someone that was born with one part who wants to transition to an, the other. Mm-hmm. I was born with both. So I cannot help the way I was born. And a lot of people here mainland they either understand that and they just want me as a sexual object or they don't understand has ever crossed your mind to have and i don't know if this is a thing to maybe medically rectify the situation just out of the sheer experiences that you have or you are just surrounded with so much positivity that you didn't even consider that an option at all i have considered it actually but um a lot of uh Insurance companies call it cosmetic surgery. So, <laughs> what? Yeah, they say that that's cosmetic surgery. The only insurance company that will at least cover half of the procedure would be Blue Cross Blue Shield. And unfortunately, I don't have them. So, you know, in my case, because, you know, it's different for different hermaphrodites, um, I've, only other, I've only met one other one here in this mm. area and you know um, that person took on more the male role me well if well you guys can't see me but as far as i'm concerned i took more the female role growing up um because you know puberty said that that's what i was going to be <laughs> so um do bleed once a month like every other woman so gotcha and, and just to say, um, I know um, you had an amazing family growing up, and I know uh, you were protected by the Hawaiian culture, but just from me to you, and this is me, an African, a Nigerian, saying this, you are exceptional. Your experiences in life don't have to be different just because of something you can't control the way you were born. And obviously, the world isn't perfect, but... I just thank goodness for the generation we're in now and where we're moving towards. And I just want to let you know that, and I'm sure you know this already, being studying law, but I just want to let you know that there are no limitations to what you can achieve because of something that's beyond your control. Well, thank you, sweetie. <laughs> okay, so let, let's talk about what you want to do, say, in the future. I know you, you said you have some plans 25 years out. So you know what's going to be happening in 2038, for instance, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, so I do have my future plan that. Mm. Um, once I finish law school, I plan on, you know, being a lawyer. Um, the type of law I'm getting into would be uh, criminal defense and entertainment. Criminal um, defense and? Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Oh, aren't those like two different, completely different areas? If you think about it... Or are you going to be defending rappers going to jail? There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, T.I. I mean, first client. You know, uh, right. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, a lot... Well, nowadays, it seems like they go hand in hand because more of the stars are either doing something dumb or they're violating some sort of contract that they signed. So. Yeah. Especially now in social media, it's... It's just crazy. Like anything you do is going to be captured somehow. Uh, there's going to be evidence. So it's yes. just. So. so after doing that, um, well, first I plan on uh, working for the prosecutor first. Therefore, oh, really, for the government? Yeah. Therefore, where, if I may I ask, learn, here, here in DC, uh, or back home? here. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be a broke lawyer, and unfortunately in D.C., I heard that there are broke lawyers. But anyway... I mean, it depends, right? You can represent um, you can represent maybe the tech companies on in, on Capitol Hill or something. No. 
after some time working with them, switching over to the defense. Because therefore, while I'm defending someone, I'll know all of the tricks and whatever the government will try and pull because I've had the experience working with them. And then from there, I will move up to being a judge. And then by the time I am about 55, Oh, wow, you have this down to a T. Yeah. By the time I'm about 55, I will be an ambassador to the UN. Nice. Wait, being an ambassador to the UN, don't you have to be like a career diplomat to do that? Or do do people from the private sector or public sector just... They end up switching over. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, we'll be keeping tabs. And uh, like I like to tell all my guests... um, Hopefully, you know, uh, definitely, you know, sometime in the future, someone can refer back to this audio. Like, oh, yeah, she really said, or he really said who's going to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any of your endeavors and initiatives, uh, aspirations, we'd like to support any way we can. Uh, we just had one of our guests who's going back to Kenya. She does this uh, month yearly thing in Kenya where she goes and teaches girls how to play basketball. And I have a basketball clinic and gives out scholarships and things like that. Nice. Uh, so we're trying our best to like, you know, promote uh, in our small social media page and, you know, tell people on the podcast. So yeah, for those of you listening, you can go to at Global on Instagram to find out more about that. And uh, yeah, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Uh, we'll get to play something called Endgame. Okay. Really soon. <laughs> so the nature of this podcast is to talk to people from different backgrounds, learn about other cultures, and hopefully educate people about other cultures and dispel some of those stereotypes and build that bridge among yeah. cultures. Uh, but we do it in a casual way, just having a casual conversation. But I like to be a little more personal. That's why I play something called Endgame at the end, okay. to make sure I ask you questions about maybe your experiences or about your culture and hopefully deliberately pass on information to our listeners that way. Okay. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Um, oh, sorry. Before we play Endgame, uh, if you're listening to this podcast right now on any platform, and we just got on Spotify, I think, last week. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening to, please take a screenshot and share it on social media. You can share it on your WhatsApp stories or Instagram stories if you want to put it on your main page. That will be cool uh, just to you know, get the word out there and hopefully join more listeners. Thank you. appreciate it. Okay, endgame. All right. Let's go for something pretty easy, I guess. Um, what's the local language in Hawaii. What's it's it? called Pidgin. Really? Yes. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Hawaiian Pidgin. Get out of here. <laughs> you just made my day. <laughs> I know, you can't speak Pidgin. Yeah, we do speak Pidgin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, I guess it's different from West African Pidgin, in a yeah, way. Yeah, it is. Uh, but Hawaiian Pidgin. Uh, well, how, do I, how do you say, what's up, nice to meet you in... Hawaiian pigeon. So, okay, we have a couple of ways to say it, okay. depending on who you're talking to. If you're talking to your elders, you always say mahalo. Mahalo? Yes. That's green. Yes. Okay. If you're talking to your best friend or someone of your age range, then you say aloha. Aloha and mm-hmm. mahalo. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a greeting, right? Mm-hmm. I, I want you to say like a sentence and just tell me what that means. Okay, so... Maybe I'm hungry, um, it's beautiful today, I'm hungry, or okay, I'll like so, to... I don't know. So, um, I'll like it's to beautiful today. Uh, we will say, Mele kilikimata, antuweitu. Mele kilikimata? Antuweitu. Antuweitu. Mm-hmm. Okay, so breaking that down, Mele kilikimata. Kilimata? What what does that part part mean? That means it's beautiful out here. Okay. Then Anumatu, what does that part mean? Great weather. Oh. Nice. Nice. But for West African pigeon or Nigerian pigeon, to be specific, we'll just say today makes sense. (laughs) Which is... (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh boy, today makes sense. Like, wow, today is great. So... like say we say we're hungry, you mm-hmm. say Eredina Gopal. That sounds like French. 
It sounds like French, but it's not. <laughs> Can you say that one more time? Eridina Copon. Eridina Copon. Okay. I'm hungry. Uh-huh. Okay. West African pigeon. I did hish. West African pigeon is more like, it's English language. Like when I say today, make sense, those three words are English. Today is English, make is English, sense is English. But the context, where how we use it, we just juggle, you know. Right. Mumble, everything. So, up and, uh, Hawaiian yeah. pigeon is a mixture of broken English. It's also a mm-hmm. mixture of the different Polynesian languages. Yep. Because in Hawaii, there are different tribes. And a lot of people, they really don't know this, but um, Hawaii has the Polynesian people, mm. um, natural Hawaiians, and then you have the Samoan people. You also have the Maori people. But yeah. the Maori people live closer to New Zealand. So, <laughs> But... Um, there are different dialects for... Wait, when you say closer to New Zealand, is Hawaii close to New Zealand geographically? Hawaii is geographically closer to Mexico. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, when you were talking about the Maori people, I was just... Uh... Yeah, Maori people, they ended up... Um, they're like one of the people... One of the tribes that sailed away from Hawaii. Oh, okay. And so, yeah. Gotcha. But they're still considered a Hawaiian tribe. For anything, this just goes to show that, you know, the world is smaller than we think. And sometimes, you know, people just create this division between cultures of people. Yeah. And, I mean, everything you just said, like broken English, pigeon English, respect for elders, taking the community, those are things that apply to a whole bunch of tribes where I'm from also. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's amazing to know. And uh, let me ask you a question about London. Um, what's the so the metro is to the US the underground train is mm-hmm. called the metro what's it called in London in light the, rail oh is that what it's called mm-hmm. oh what's the tube what's the what tube so the tube is the one that goes underground but okay. if you go above ground we call it the light rail yeah okay so I learned something I, th- I thought it was all called the tube uh yeah it's just like Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. It just really depends on what you call it. Um, Just like in the movies, we don't call it the movies in London. We either call it cinemas or bioscopes, depending on... Bioscopes? Yeah, depending on where in London you go. That's interesting. And last question. Can you name one popular Hawaiian dance? The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's an easy one. <laughs> Bless you. Um, so we also have our fire dance. Yeah. And a lot of people, when they go to Hawaii, they expect to see that. Yeah. So all Hawaiian girls are taught the hula because the hula tells a story depending on what hula they're doing. Each hula is a different story. And is that where the was the inspiration for the hula hoop from Hawaii? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because we move our hips a lot. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people, they look at us and they're like, well, how do you move your hip like that? <laughs> and it's I mean, like, you're, you're taught from when you're a little girl, right? Right. <laughs> nice. The, the fire dance you were talking about. Is that different from the dance where a whole bunch of guys come together and like chant and beat their chests? Is that separate from the fire? So dance? it depends on different tribes. You mm. do have tribes that um, they're quote unquote called the rainmakers. Rainmakers, so okay. They will do the beating of the chest and the whole dancing around the open flames and things like that. Mm. And that's the to promote good weather. What, what's the, that dance in particular called? Um, well, there are different dances. Yeah, there are da- different dances for it. So it depends on which dance you see. You have some that promote weather, you have some that promote good fortune. So, I mean, you know, it just really depends on what you're looking at. Is there one called the Haka? Yes, there is one called the Haka. 
and it's all starting to make sense now because uh, you talked about the uh, Maori people emigrating to like New Zealand mm-hmm. and in rugby and the in, main ones that yeah, do the haka. <laughs> in, in rugby in like New Zealand and Australia uh, most of the rugby teams and even in South Africa like do the haka before some games kind of like yeah it's supposed to be a good luck oh yeah. interesting but mostly I mean the haka is mostly performed by the Maori men but the hula is common to all tribes, regardless. Yeah. Gotcha. And that's performed by ladies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the fire dance is promoted by men. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, thank you so much for coming. It's been a really informative session for me in particular, and I'm sure for most of our listeners uh, listening. Is there any last words you want to, like, throw out? Um, if you like to give our social media handle, if you want to, or just, like, say something. Um, so if you guys want to follow me I am on all social media um, Facebook is by my middle name and my last name Kamora Palomalu um, Snapchat, Twitter IG that's all one name I kept it easy for everybody but it's Scorpio Mix 2009 Scorpio Mix mm-hmm. 2009 gotcha and if you're an aspiring rapper, better follow her now, because when you get into trouble, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. But thank you for coming. Uh, you guys can also follow uh, Cultural Class Podcast everywhere on social media. Also, uh, it's Cultural Class Podcast on Facebook. I haven't been to that Facebook page in a while, but Instagram, Cultural Class Podcast, uh, Twitter, Cultural Class Pod. Uh, send us an email. Tell us what you think. Culture Class Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening and have a great day.